We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting a couple of teams in the rookies and sophomores format on underdog. That's what we're going to be doing today on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. We talked last week, Sean, about... Oh, yeah, you can find all of Sean's work at Rotoviz if you didn't already know that from every other intro. We talked last week, Sean, about the rookie quarterbacks and how they, they were undervalued in all formats. and. This seemed like a really fun contest for people who don't know. There's 12 rounds. It's only a four-person draft. All you can draft are rookies and sophomores. And so there is definitely some, you know, added constraints in this format where there's not a ton of, you know, strong quarterbacks. First of all, obviously, the the 2021 quarterback class, not fantastic. But the second-year quarterbacks do tend to go a lot higher than the rookie quarterbacks. And then as far as the starting lineup goes, you, you start one quarterback, one running back, two receivers slash tight ends. You don't have a dedicated tight end spot and one flex. And then you have seven bench spots to make the 12 total spots. It's a really fun format. Quick drafts. We're going to do two of them on the show. And underdog is a, a half point PPR format as well. But Sean, we wanted to do this primarily to see how strong essentially we could build our running back and receiver groups while trying to wait on the rookie QBs and, and especially the rookie QBs outside of Malik Willis, who is the one that gets a little bit of hype. And, and so we talked about this last week. And so this will be a, a pretty fun application of that conversation from, from last week's second show. It should be after we finish the show. And, and we enjoyed that one last week a lot. Hopefully listeners did as well. You had sent me an email saying, you know, you, sh- you should get in there and do a couple of these rookies and sophomore drafts before our show comes out and i wasn't able to do that but i was thinking you know we should just do it for the pod that would be a lot of fun colin kelly and i drafted in the Superflex big board tournament on underdog this last weekend we put those shows out we had a blast with it then you mentioned we wanted to try this thesis with the rookie qbs and one of the great things about this is you mentioned that it's a, a smaller player pool obviously because it's just rookies and sophomores and yet within this tournament dynamic we want to make our rosters unique as well and so i think this is fantastic for both elements because we can try this out and you would expect that it's going to make our lineup at least reasonably unique to try and hit the quarterbacks there at the very end the other thing that's fun about this is that you can get a couple of big tournament teams in for just ten dollars a piece and anyone who is looking to jump into underdog you can get a 100 sign up bonus so uh, you put in 100 they'll put in 100 with the coupon code rotoviz at sign up then i i can't say enough about how fun these drafts have been to do and i'm looking forward to seeing what we end up with with our two rosters you mentioned that it is a little bit more of a limited player pool but there are some awfully fun names in guys like jamar chase Javante Williams, Brees Hall, Kyle Pitts. Pitts may be not as big a deal in this format that doesn't have a dedicated tight end, but there are some really big names at the non-QB positions with how this class performed last season. Yeah, this is the this is basically our player pool for regular drafts. I mean, this is the, the exact guys that we're going to target anyway. So 
to get an opportunity to build teams in, in this format that is solely dedicated to it is a lot of fun where everyone has to draft as many rookies and second year players as we do. What, what's cool about it is trying to figure out, like you said, it's a tournament structure. You have the 12 roster spots. What we're talking about a little bit is potentially going with three quarterbacks very late from this rookie group. Not even sure that we're going to have a week one starter, but we do kind of feel optimistic that we might. We might have more quarterback production early than people are realizing. And that's obviously, again, what we talked about last week. Because we're potentially going to take the three quarterbacks, we only have nine roster spots for the other positions. And, and so in this format where you only have to start one running back, two receivers and a flex, we can employ sort of our preferred structure um, to be a little bit more receiver heavy and really try to have those three roster spots that are the two receiver spots in the flex filled by dynamic receivers. And you can also flex a running back in this format. We like the young running backs as well, the rookies and the second year running backs. And certainly you, you won't, with only five roster spots, you need to be able to get some running back production as well. This is a, a format that it, it certainly matters a lot who the breakouts are. And we'll, we're trying to target all the breakouts and hit all the breakouts. And, you know, last year, for example, in this format, if you had Jonathan Taylor filling your RB spot all year, that was uh, a huge advantage in this format, especially. But even a Najee Harris was, you know, a, a pretty huge advantage, I imagine. But yeah, we're going to be looking at probably being a little bit deeper at receiver and really trying to have that depth through the flex at receiver and trying to limit, you know, running back picks as much as possible, but it's not necessarily, I mean, I guess my question for you would be what, what what do you think is the optimal sort of positional allocation in this type of draft? How many additional running backs do you need when you only have to play one, but you do have the flex spot? I think it's going to depend a little bit on where you are in the drafts. We know we have, the 104. So it's a four four person league. We're going to have the fourth pick. So we'll have four and five sliding back around. We're not going to have a chance to hit Jamar Chase in this first draft. Hopefully we'll get an opportunity to select him in the second one. Part of me really likes the running backs, right? Because you're going to have to fill a couple of receiver spots. So it's going to be down to your third and fourth receivers who are filling that flex. And if there are running backs that we like in drafts, they do tend to be the first and second year guys. We had a lot of Travis Etienne last year. And, you know, but if there's one thing that could go differently other than KJ Hamler getting hurt and not you know being a top 10 wide receiver for the season, if there's one thing that could go differently from 2021, it would be just to have Travis Etienne healthy. We had a lot of him in dynasty, a lot of him in early drafts. And so there were some teams, I know that you had the unfortunate situation of drafting a main event of like a day before he got hurt. And that was pretty disappointing he was the only running back we took before i believe like round 10 we took him in maybe the fourth or fifth round and he was going to be the guy that was going to supercharge that team and then he got hurt the next day i believe yeah so that part disappointing and we know that there are some challenges to coming back from his injury and so you know still hanging around in drafts beyond where we would expect to have had him it is interesting he obviously doesn't have NFL experience and what experience he did get about being around the NFL team was experience around the Jacksonville Jaguars, but you get an extra year to grow. You get a sense of being in the NFL. You know, some of the things that are non-football things that rookies have to deal with, he's going to have been able to make some of those adjustments. Where do you think he would be going if he had stayed healthy even with what happened in Jacksonville. And I think that maybe his presence might've changed what happened in Jacksonville to an extent. And, you know, for Jacksonville fans, it's probably just as well that it didn't. So they don't have to deal with urban Meyer any longer. And, and for Travis Etienne, for that matter, he had that comment that if he was going to miss a season last year was probably the one to miss. <laughs> so he's, he seems aware as well. Yeah. You don't, you don't normally see that from NFL players, but that was a funny one there. I, I guess I just have a hard time seeing that season play out where he doesn't perform similarly to DeAndre Swift. Now, Swift is not that expensive this year either because he's with the Detroit Lions. And so, I mean, ETN was going to be back with the Jaguars. He is with the Jaguars. But I also think that there is a potential scenario where he'd be going in the first round of 2022 drafts. I mean, Javante Williams did not have a great season from a fantasy perspective. And, you know, he is right up there with some of the recent developments. 
Yeah, when you said a similar season too, I thought you were going to say Javante Williams. Just this idea that ETN being on the field and doing really anything positive. I mean, we see, you know, I don't want to be too hard on Najee Harris, but there's not a ton that he did from a talent perspective. It was very much workload driven that has kept him so favorably viewed. And so there's this element where it's like the outcome for ETN, the only way it could have been worse than him getting hurt is if he didn't get volume either and and was not you know flashy or productive. Because you look at Javante Williams, didn't get as much volume as we wanted really all season, but looked so good in some of the advanced metrics and, and did, did so many things that we're all very, very excited about what he can be, along with the elements of his prospect profile that came through. But Etienne had those elements in his favor as well. And then you look at Harris, who maybe didn't do as much positively not um you know not bad or anything but was driven by really strong usage and etn being a first round pick you you had to expect even though they did have a lot of running back depth there that he was going to be used throughout the season i mean we just don't see teams take running backs in the first round and not try to integrate them in some way that was sort of the thesis for taking him last year was that even though he was discounted because of maybe projected volume that didn't look great with james robinson and carlos hyde and and, and then also the team looking very poor, that he was a, a, a pretty nice anti-fragile pick where pretty much anything that would happen to their, like a shakeup to the Jaguars running back room, whether that just be ETN hitting on some big plays and doing some things in limited opportunities or a Robinson injury or something was going to propel ETN into more work. I mean, they were going to be finding ways to get him more opportunities when you invest in a player like they did. That was the likely outcome for last season. So, yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, you mentioned Swift, so it's probably the best direct comparable because of the the concerns about the Lions offense and the fact that he was still going in, you know, the fourth round of, of regular drafts going into last year, even after a pretty explosive rookie season where he caught a bunch of passes and all those things. And obviously you got all the Stealing Bananas listeners onto him as a fantastic pick for 2021. ETN probably would have been in that range because of the Jacksonville offense. I mean, I, I think that's probably the best comp, like you said, but looking at Javante, looking at Najee, looking at the different ways that those guys are viewed so favorably, despite not necessarily having flawless rookie seasons that make them look like surefire, long-term superstar running backs at the NFL level, you can see that element where if ETN would have came out and had that positive impact on Jacksonville, like you said, maybe made things look a little bit better for their offense because he's making explosive plays and was getting enough volume and all of those things, he could be viewed that, that favorably. There's almost no way that he would be viewed as he is or, or worse than he is if he just stays healthy and you often see heading into year two that these backs get a big sort of contingent based boost where that's the season that drafters are saying okay we're willing to make the bet we're willing to say that within the range of outcomes is taking that leap to being next year's 101 Whereas you come back and you have a solid second season, then you tend to kind of settle in in mid round two. Those backs, people are not looking at as, okay, this is going to be the one-on-one the next year. But year two is really that range. Now we have Travis Etienne there, but everything has changed because of the injury that I'm still excited to try and build a team around Brees Hall and Travis Etienne to get us going here. And let's get it going. So we got the fourth pick, meaning we'll have back-to-back picks at the one-two turn, probably won't get our boy Jamar Chase in the first round. But we will be looking probably at the running backs and the receivers because we're kind of planning on waiting at quarterback, right? We are. We had the fun pod last week talking about how we had maybe a little bit more enthusiasm for these rookie QBs and especially the sort of the contingent value that they brought to the table than much of the fantasy community. Uh, Connor Driscoll had a cool article at the end of last week. But yeah, I, I think that'll be part of our strategy. And you had mentioned that you thought we could get some very strong uh, players at running back and wide receiver as a result. Yeah, and so Chase goes 101, Javante Williams 102. I have not done a ton of these drafts, but I've seen the sophomore QBs go in the first round, and they don't here. Harris goes 103. So what are we looking at? Waddle and Brees Hall, maybe? By ADP, that's what would be our first two picks here. 
Yeah, and I think that that's a good way to go. I think I'm still pretty optimistic about Waddle, despite the situation there where he's been added on to <laughs> with Tyreek Hill. And then you have the situation where I think that Hall could jump Williams and Harris right away. And so those two guys, perfect foundation pieces. They allow us to hit the two key positions right off the bat. So we have Waddle, we have Hall. We'll be back around again quickly. Expect a lot of those sophomore QBs to be the next picks. That's what I've seen. Uh, Kyle Pitts goes right after us. ADP right now has Lawrence and and Lance and Fields as the top options, but Elijah Moore goes next. It looks like we're in a draft with some people that are uh, not targeting the QBs as much. Lance here goes at 204. I would expect Lawrence to go before we're back up as well. How early would you be wanting to target these elite or semi-elite wide receiver prospects compared to some of the guys who are already there? Now, we see Amon Ross, St. Brown go at the 302. Devontae Smith go at the 303. So we're back up. We have Travis Etienne and Garrett Wilson as the top guys here, but Kadarius Toney also an option. Drake London, Traylon Burks. Take two running backs. What direction do you like? ETN's a good pick. I mean, I'm happy with all those picks. I think there's there's a lot of uh, reason to be optimistic about all those receivers. Wilson is the next one by ADP. London right next to him. Certainly both kind of have the draft capital that maybe Burks won't have. And, and also when you look at ADP, there's this possibility that Burks might be able to swing back to us. So either of those I think is a, a smart pick along with ETN here. So I clicked on Drake London just to get a little bit of diversification. I have Wilson and Burks early on a lot of teams. And as you mentioned, Burks might come back to us. That would be a fun pick in the next round. Michael Carter, Kenneth Walker, the top running backs that I have here. Elijah Mitchell, the top running back by ADP. We don't have to select a tight end. Uh, Kadarius Toney still available on the board as Garrett Wilson goes to the next pick. What are you seeing here overall? Davis Mills and Mac Jones there with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. Justin Fields, yeah, uh, he just goes for you. I was going to say we we might want to take Fields, but he he does go. So Elijah Mitchell, Kenneth Walker, Justin Fields, Michael Carter, uh, and Garrett Wilson went right before them in between our picks here. So we'll be back up looking at Kadarius Tony, looking at potentially Traylon Burks, uh, Rondell Moore. I think the two of those three make a lot of sense unless you want to go down to like an Olave. No, I, I like those guys. I was going to suggest getting Burks. I think he's the player who is the most likely to explode up the board, but he does go one slot ahead of us there. So we have Tony and then Moore and Bateman, who very interesting guys with sort of the quarterback situation, with the bounce back situation. I don't know if you have a strong preference between those two players we could also start to do a little bit of a reach at running back, but more Bateman, Olave. I, I like all three of those. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm team Rondale, but uh, Olave is going to have the draft capital as well. So, you know, I could certainly see him and, and I could see Bateman as well, to your point. But I, I, I agree. I think they're all strong picks. It would have been nice to get Burks. I think Burks Tony would have been a really nice turn there. It would have been, and I think that Olave is a good pick. I've kind of been switching up Olave and Rondell Moore in the drafts that I'm doing right now. I expect Olave to be more expensive in a couple of weeks. There's just such a strong chance that he lands with either the Packers or the Chiefs. Then he'll explode up boards. But Rondell Moore already kind of set. Ben, what are your thoughts on the re-signing of A.J. Green I don't think it matters that much. In some ways, I still would have preferred they not do it, but he's going to soak up some targets that really aren't that important. Yeah, I don't think he really affects more at all. In fact, I would argue, as we're getting back on the clock, I won't spend too much time, but it's probably a good thing because when you know I, I talk about with targets per run, things like that, the other guys that are running routes is important. He's running different routes from the outside, and I don't expect will be somebody who will earn targets at a really high rate. 
as opposed to maybe Arizona, you know, drafting a exciting first round outside receiver or something like that. So I think it, it gives more more of a possibility if he's good enough to to really dominate in his role. So we are back, as you mentioned, Bateman's still there. George Pickens, Sky Moore, obviously a crowd favorite. Isaiah Spiller, even with the bad workouts, I think becomes pretty interesting here. Who do you like? Yeah, Bateman's a good pick. I'm kind of of the mind that we could just wait at running back because we already got Hall and ETN. We only have to play one in this format, although we have taken quite a few receivers as well. So if you want to take Spiller, I mean, I think I, I, I definitely understand that. But throwing another receiver on the pile and just really being good at receiver is sort of the move we were planning for with you know the, the type of depth and positional strength we're hoping to get with the late round quarterback option it's a really strong bet on the two running backs but our receivers are really good now they are and it's never a bad time to take sky Moore. i haven't gotten him in as many drafts pre-draft as i would like so we hit on him there and have bateman and Moore together Spiller now, an interesting pick. Rashad Watt. I like Kenneth Gainwell as someone who's a little bit undervalued here. We have four picks remaining. We had mentioned that we might like to use three of them on those rookie quarterbacks. That might leave us with just the one pick. If we have the one pick, where are you going with it here? Uh, I think Gainwell's a really a really good option. White's expect Rashad White's expected draft capital not looking great. Uh, Gainwell, I think, makes a lot of sense as the third running back on this bill as a guy who will, you know, sort of have a role, get some touches, have some, some usable weeks, maybe not be workhorse upside tight, but add something to the build. And so then we got to take a quarterback. Where are we starting? Well, it seems like Ritter will probably be the most expensive and maybe the most fun. So let's get him to protect ourselves here and then try and hit our other two favorites as we come back around. Ben, Kenny Pickett, the safest. He is almost certainly going to go in those top 20 picks. There are at least two, if not three teams that are pretty heavily connected to him in that range. But we've talked about some of his red flags, both with developing late. You've mentioned the small hands probably isn't going to add the rushing value. The rushing in this particular format uh, always comes into play and is pretty helpful. Any change in your thought about Pickett versus Corral and how as we record this, you know, with another five or six days since we last talked about it. I don't have any big changes. I could see in this format where Pickett probably is the, certainly adds an advantage toward starting earlier in the season. Cause there's this possibility we could not have a starting quarterback in week one, um, you know, from any of the other three. And so I could see that case at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable making the bet as Ritter, Corral, Howell, and, you know, we're playing for upside, basically. I mean, that's that's what you have to do in these, in any draft, frankly. Oh, and Howell did go. So we are left with, uh, I guess, Corral and Pickett. Interesting. That a little bit disappointing, but perhaps not a surprise. I think that's a great pick. So we will select Corral here. You better grab him. And then we, uh, any thought that we would want to go off QB and just go with two or, or still with the three here? I, I think we could go off QB. What are you thinking? I mean, I think Pickett probably adds the most, but I would, I would be fine with, the, are you looking at the, the running backs in our queue here? Yeah. And at the same time though, I think that probably having Pickett gives us that, mix of players and as you mentioned we really like the two running backs that we took early we like Gainwell. we have the three when you only need to start one we have all of those wide receivers to handle the wide receiver tight end and flex spots then we completed the draft the rookies and sophomores are fast and furious thoughts now that we finished it this is a fun team right we have ritter corral and pickett at qb Brees Hall, Travis Etienne, and Kenneth Gainwell at running back. Hall and Etienne, the two guys that I'm trying to get in all drafts, but uh, in some other formats are a little bit more difficult. And then at wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, Drake London, Kadarius Toney, Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, Sky Moore. And Ben, unlike other drafts, when you get done with a rookies and sophomore draft, people can't criticize you for being too rookie heavy. 
Yeah. <laughs> that that looks like our receiver core in a normal draft. So obviously we're very comfortable with that. Yeah, the I was a, a little taken aback there for a quick second. You, you have 12 draft spots. I forgot that we had taken the third quarterback, so you only went up with the six receivers. Maybe there's a case to go two quarterbacks, seven receivers with the three running backs. But that's six really good receivers. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with that, but probably the seventh receiver would would provide some some value as well. So maybe next time we should just go with the two two QBs and maybe it's a fourth running back as well that can at least help out on, on flex. It is interesting, obviously, with the rookies and sophomores. Those are the types of running backs we are tending to look at as well because we're looking for the youth and the guys that haven't necessarily broken out yet or performed really high level yet. We know that rookie running backs can tend to get maybe you know more immediate work than rookie receivers who have to sort of build up in their first season. And so maybe there's an argument for going a little more running back heavy in this specific format. I can definitely see that being the case. Hello there, Colm Kelly here, co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just want to take a moment to let you know as a loyal Rotoviz Podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to rotoviz.com, add the subscription to your basket, and add the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off, it'll get you access to all of our content and tools, and of course, set you up for success in all your 2022 fantasy football rosters. That code is RVRADIO2022. I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It looks like our second draft is filled and we got the 101. So that pick is looking like it'll be Jamar Chase, right? Yeah, Jamar Chase. There's a, a big gap here for him to everybody else. Now, Javante Williams, Nashi Harris, they actually went 2-3 overall in a draft that I did recently. But then even with the enthusiasm we have for Javante Williams, he's probably not our guy there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Javante and Harris, you're saying in a not a rookies and sophomores draft, a full draft. In a full draft. So you and I did a draft where they both went in the second round. The very next draft that I did, they went at the 102 and the 103. Obviously, Williams skyrocketing on the news that you know maybe Melvin Gordon doesn't go there. Maybe he is a part of the Baltimore Ravens. Now you and I would be a little bit disappointed because you know, I've been I've been trying to sell you on this idea that J.K. Dobbins is going to be this year's DeAndre Swift. Uh, that would put a little <laughs> bit of a wrench in the works. Yeah, that would not be ideal for Dobbins. I think I would also say I'd be disappointed for Williams in the sense that he'd just be way more expensive to acquire. I don't really care if Melvin Gordon comes back. It, I'd like to take him in the second round with Melvin Gordon on the roster. As opposed to the second pick overall. As opposed to the second pick overall with Gordon off the roster. It's probably too big of a reaction to whether or not Gordon is there. And do you have any thoughts on Gordon as a member of the Baltimore Ravens? It feels like if Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram, at the time Mark Ingram was there, can do it, then almost anybody can. Yeah, Gordon looked good last year. I mean, I think there's certainly a possibility that he can continue to be a useful piece, especially in a backfield, like you said, that elevates the efficiency for its members. And so 
he'd be, I mean, he'd be, you know, cost obviously relative, but he'd be somebody I'd be at least interested in, in the, um, maybe in the double digit rounds and the zero RB type range. If that's about where he settles, I'm, I'm not sure where he would wind up settling. I think so too. Now in this draft, Williams and Harris did go with the next couple of picks. Harris first, then Waddle and Brees Hall, the same way that we did it at the turn. Trey Lance gone, Travis Etienne gone, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Justin Fields is a pick that we could make if we actually do want to take one of these sophomore QBs. What are you thinking? I like getting two receivers here. Chase, Elijah Moore, and Amon Ra is a pretty nice start, I think. It is. We'd have to feel very good about those two wide receiver spots. Now, by ADP, they want you to take Pitts. So you would prefer Amon Ra to Pitts in a format where we don't get any benefit from Pitts' tight end designation. Yeah, that's the tricky one. The situation here with Pitts, the Marcus Mariota element, the lack of team explosiveness. Uh, there are a lot of scenarios in which Pitts scores a quite a few more touchdowns than Amon Ra St. Brown. So we could definitely look back and regret it. I'm hoping to get Pitts in some of the more tight end heavy formats and, and get my exposure that way. But as you mentioned, it, it can be a lot easier to get your exposure in a format like this. Amon Ra is going to face at least a little bit of a challenge from DJ Chark. They could have a QB switch midseason. They could add one of these rookie wide receivers. It could get very crowded in a hurry there, in which case maybe you're not thinking the same thing about Amon Ra uh, just a couple weeks from now. So we're back up in the interim. Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields all went. Trey Lance had gone prior. We have options right now in the queue. You have Michael Carter, Devonta Smith, and Kadarius Toney. Drake London's still there as well. Traylon Burks. I'm I'm content with any of those picks. Yeah, let's go ahead and go with Carter. That gives us a little bit of running back balance. Now, as we go through the turn here, we can go with Smith. We can go with London. We just picked London. We just picked Tony. We're going to go with Smith? Okay. Yeah, a few picks behind his ADP as well. Maybe that's helping get a little bit of uh, some uniqueness to our build. He was certainly the the favorite if you're just kind of going off ADP. And it's always something to consider in these big tournaments, especially with a smaller field like the rookies and sophomores, is if there's any little ways that it seems like your team might be a little bit of a different combination of players than, than other people's teams. So I do like that. And while there's obviously ceiling concerns with Smith, if the Eagles, and they have suggested they're not planning to do this, but if they become more pass-heavy because Hertz improves or by accident or through desperation, any of those scenarios, and I think Smith is one of the real slam-dunk big league winners for 2022. He's not getting the normal bump from the player who's that kind of prospect who had that kind of rookie season because people are very skeptical about the overall pass volume. I wouldn't expect this to happen, but we saw how that can change in a big way with what happened with the Baltimore Ravens last season. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. We are now on deck again. Kenneth Walker did make it back to us. And so we have only taken Michael Carter. I think he makes total sense as our second running back here because there's a pretty big drop off in these rookies and sophomores format to sort of that next group of running backs that we bypassed in our first draft uh, where Isaiah Spiller was maybe the best option. You have uh, Ramondre Stevenson and some of those types, but to get Ken Kenneth Walker pretty clearly the RB two in this draft here makes a ton of sense. And, and then you have a lave here as our next pick really like that. So lave will give us a little bit of a different look from our previous draft. He gives us some exposure to potentially the Packers or the Chiefs. Now, Ben, we tend to think of Olave as being at the back of this group of elite wide receivers because he stayed in school for four years, but he's often projected as the first or second receiver off the board. If he goes to a weaker team, I think that might almost be worse, but at the same time, we're getting a lot of evidence that the NFL is extremely high on him. And similar to the situation with Devontae Smith last year, he's actually not someone who needed to go back to raise his draft profile i think that puts him in a little bit more of a borderline category than these players who really were only prospects in the range that they're prospects because of what they did in their final seasons love that so now we have chase 
Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Chris Olave at receiver. Again, built a really strong receiver core here. Michael Carter and Kenneth Walker as our two running backs. We have five picks left. We're certainly going to have to consider quarterback at some point, but sort of the whole experiment here is that we'll get to play with what we can do in this format when we wait on these rookie QBs. Davis Mills now off the board. I mean, I think he's a reasonable pick, but he's a, a really good example, I think, of where should Davis Mills really be that much more expensive than these rookies? I mean, is he even locked into being a starter for 16 games? Probably not. He, he did look good at times last year, and I think he's, like I said, a reasonable pick in this format. But it's just sort of silly when you compare it to the rushing upside of a guy like I guess Malik Willis is off the board here, but even the other quarterbacks in this group. That's true. And, you know, we could see a jump from here, from him in season two, but he's also not going to have the weapons. And so that's going to limit that ceiling. Then we take Isaiah Spiller to round out the running backs a little bit more. We could go Gainwell here. That would be overlap. We could also go with more, or we could switch it up and take Jahan Dotson. Uh, I like more, I think, in part because of ADP elements where he's going about 12 picks higher than Gainwell. We might be able to get Gainwell at our next turn. I do like the idea of taking a fourth running back in this build because we didn't start with Brees Hall and ETN at the very top. But getting more to give us now a six really strong receiver kind of frees up that roster spot for the fourth running back. But does that leave us that leaves us with only two quarterbacks, which I think is fine. Yeah, it does. So we have the choice here of going with Gainwell and two, or we can go with. It might be the case that we need to take the two quarterbacks here. Cause if we wait till the very last pick of the draft, there's no guarantee that we'll get them. And so we're back into the question of, especially if we only take two quarterbacks, are we concerned that we'll have some starting issues uh, that's, I think, the most interesting question with Howell, who I continue to think is the best prospect from this group, the highest upside, but maybe the most likely one to be drafted in a situation where he sits half the season. <laughs> if we only have two quarterbacks, that makes it tricky with this particular build. Yeah. And I don't know if I want to only take one at this turn, I was saying, because there's this possibility that all those guys are gone and there's not really another option. And then we'd only have two. So we, I think we have to take our two here and then hope Gainwell gets back or, or look at another running back. I'm I'm content taking Howell if you would like to here. Okay, so let's take Howell. We didn't get him in our previous draft. This way we have Ritter and Howell. We've got uh, just a ton of athleticism at the quarterback position. We can take either Pickett or Corral if they come back. We can take Gainwell if he comes back. And he's still the third running back by ADP. Probably will go, but there's this possibility he could swing back, which would be kind of nice. Then you have any deep sleepers that you like at the running back position? For me, a name that jumps out, and I'm going to be making this case in some forums over the next week, and then maybe trying, I don't know. We'll see how strongly I want to make it because I actually feel very good about the thesis for drafts over the long term. I think Pierre Strong could be actually the third best back in this draft. Very interesting. I watched a little bit of his film. He reminded me, I believe it was him who reminded me a little bit of like Tevin Coleman, kind of just like a downhill runner. Is that is that right? Well, he's just got a ton of explosiveness and he has that little bit of wiggle to make the first guy miss and then he's gone and i think that plays very very well in the nfl he tested extremely positively at the combine so we're to go corral here with the last pick get those three quarterbacks yeah we're gonna we're gonna be thin at running back but that's no um no big problem for us so we got ritter howell and corral at quarterback carter walker and Spiller at running back, and then Chase, Elijah Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, and Sky Moore for another really strong receiving group. That group headlined more by some of the top year two receivers, and then we also added Olave and Sky Moore as rookies. I mean, clearly the strength of the second team, and it's another one I really like, but clearly the strength is those year two receivers at the top. And then hoping that we get enough out of Carter and Kenneth Walker, especially because Isaiah Spiller's a little bit more of a flyer, I think, with the bad testing. 
to at least cover the running back points. And then again, we're making the bet on the rookie QBs. On both teams, we wound up with Ritter and Corral. The first team we had Pickett to fill that out. The second team we had we got Howell. But we're going with the three QBs and we're getting them in the last three picks essentially in both of these. And it seems like a really fun way to play that discussion from last week. It does. And you mentioned the second year wide receivers to have a, a rookies and sophomores draft like this and to be able to create the strength of the team through the second year wide receivers. Those are the players that we tend to make the focal point of our normal drafts to have them here as the foundation for this type of draft is a lot of fun i would expect them to score a ton of points and then this is built sort of in many ways like our traditional type of team where you have that breakout upside from the running backs michael carter actually had a very impressive rookie season did the kind of things that we weren't sure he would be able to do at his size and so the question there really is does he get hit by another player before the season starts the offense there with the New York Jets probably won't be that high scoring. That's a little bit of a drag on his upside. But if he's there more or less by himself, then he's going to score an absolute ton of points. Kenneth Walker has been a fun player to track during the draft process. He put up the big speed numbers, obviously had the excellent final season there at Michigan State. He's going to get pushed up the board a little bit just simply due to the fact that this is a weak class and the team that drafts him in all likelihood will want to put him out there and get some immediate return when you have the speed when you can break the big plays you know that's exactly what i like to play on those rookie running backs now he doesn't have you know chris johnson's speed by any stretch of the imagination but when you have this young guy coming out with speed with the ability to break some plays it just it always kind of reminds me back to what johnson did People tend to think of his second season, which was monstrous, but his first season, very impressive as well. And then Isaiah Spiller, someone who now is very inexpensive because of the poor testing. Obviously, there was the explanation of an injury at the combine. He comes back and does a mediocre job at his pro day. That has a lot of people off of him because athleticism is just so crucially important at the running back position it's it's almost like these two positions go in opposite directions where athleticism can sometimes be overdrafted at wide receiver and yet at running back even with the production elements i mean you're basically looking at production and speed and so we do have a number of backs in this class that don't really have either one and are expected to go on that sort of day two day three fringe you know that's a, a conversation for another time but it is an interesting dynamic that in such a weak class we're seeing some players who don't really have either part of the equation getting pushed into that group but spiller falling somewhat and i think it's easy to miss the fact or kind of get caught up in some other things and not give him credit for how strong his age adjusted production was against a difficult schedule now his school has put out some backs that we liked in the past who didn't end up doing anything at the nfl level and had some good collegiate production but spiller i think kind of getting lost in in the mix a little bit here and i like him as part of this team we took him as a little bit of a consolation pick as the draft moved along would you have some of that same enthusiasm for him yeah i think you know, early in the draft season, you were telling me and, and telling the listeners quite a bit about from a profile perspective that he looked pretty strong because of the receiving, especially. And so, you know, that, that combination of the lack of athletic testing, but still having a solid background as a pass catcher and a three down back and, you know, sort of a workhorse, like you were saying, is, you know, at size is something that, you know, is is reason to not i i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't describe it as enthusiasm to to, to directly answer your question i'm i'm sort of almost completely off of him but i'm trying to kind of talk myself back through it as um you know we, we obviously make these picks quick and you were still interested in it it kind of took me by surprise a little bit to be honest but to look at it like if there's some decent draft capital and you're talking about a guy who has that three down potential at size and, and can catch some passes I still don't think I love it with the lack of athleticism, but I mean, how different is it from like uh, like a Clyder Woods-Alaire who didn't you know test particularly well and didn't have even as much size, and and so some guys like that, you don't 
necessarily um well, well first first of all obviously Clyde Zellier is not necessarily a positive comp because that didn't necessarily pan out so far in these first couple of years with the Chiefs but uh second of all Spiller's probably not going to get the first round draft capital as well as the the type of landing spot that got Clyde Edwards Zellier so much of the hype I mean we, we don't know for sure that he's going to get a bad landing spot necessarily but obviously landing with the Chiefs in the first round was what drove so much of the optimism about CEH at the same time like there have been players who have tested poorly that have been still productive at running back. There are still some, you know, ideas in terms of vision or, or, or what have you ball carrier ability that we maybe don't or aren't able to adequately classify or quantify. Right. But that might still show up on the field and might show up in some of these production metrics. Right. Exactly. And he's going to end up, I think, as a safer prospect than a lot of people are thinking, because you're talking about someone who came out and as a freshman put up very good numbers in the SEC. And so when you contrast that with a lot of these other players who required a third or even fourth year to do anything at the collegiate level, and now there are expectations for them to take that and make the jump to the professional level, I think that's trickier. When we're looking at a floor perspective, you know, there's all kinds of research out now. I think people know it to the extent that we're almost overlooking it a little bit with the fact that Spiller coming out as the one of the youngest players in this class and in this group, another very positive sign for him. So there's a scenario in which he really is actually not 100% as he's going through these different testing elements and he's more athletic than he's shown. If that's the case, an NFL team is going to get a great value and then fantasy managers who make that play and, and get to make the play now a lot less expensively than they were going to have to a couple of months ago. That element of it, I think, reduces almost all of your risk and leaves you in a position where now you've got mostly upside for Spiller in most formats. Is there Are there better comparables than CEH, um, especially in terms of athleticism that you could offer, you know, I was thinking people knocked out from cook, but he actually ran a sub four, five forty. for Spiller. We're talking, you know, North of four, six, and that's a pretty big difference. Right. And, and Dalvin, I think is a little bit bigger size wise as well. Dalvin was certainly not a bad athlete. Are, are there good comps? Is, is, are there players that you can think of? I mean, I think everyone goes back to Arian Foster, but like a, a a size speed comp for Isaiah Spiller that might provide some optimism. So the names that always sort of pop up for guys in this weight range who run in the four sixes, you're going to have players like a Josh Jacobs and a Kareem hunt. Now Kareem hunt had a little bit better explosiveness in terms of looking at his vertical, but you're looking at this 216, 217 to 220 ish type of size. And one of the things that we do see with these guys is that I tend to be selling this profile, but it's not like you don't have players come out of it who succeed, right? The, the best comps when you're looking at Josh Jacobs, for example, in the Workout Explorer, you have Kareem Hunt, you have Alfred Morris, you have some other names like Devin Ridley and Alex Collins, Thomas Rawls, Peyton Barber, you know. Spencer Ware, Derek Warsome, you know, some Chiefs guys. So you have names that come through here. And one of the things that we see is that productive backs with this type of size, and you maybe say, well, I wish Isaiah Spiller were even a little bit bigger. But it's easy to forget, you know, in that Kareem Hunt size, you, you have guys succeed. And especially if they were very, very good in college, Isaiah Spiller, a much better collegiate player than Josh Jacobs, even though Jacobs was someone who really flashed on the field, you know, gave him that elite scouting profile as he went into the draft, gets that first round draft pick. Kareem Hunt, by contrast, doesn't go early, but goes to the Kansas City Chiefs, immediately breaks out and is a star. One of the problems that we run into with player comps, especially athletic comps, for guys who have some athletic red flags is that you mentioned Arian Foster. We can always pull out the one or two guys that had these red flags and succeeded. The fact of the matter is that just when you're looking at projecting players, the more athletic you are and the better sort of size speed combination you have, the more likely it is that you're going to succeed. But again, when you talk about age adjusted production, and if it turns out 
<laughs> that Spiller actually is a little bit more athletic. I think he's somebody who makes a great risk-adjusted bet as opposed to somebody who makes a good foundation player for your team, whether that's your upcoming rookie drafts, your dynasty startup, or a draft like this, for example. The prices now, though, I think you have to at least consider Spiller and get a little bit of exposure. And that'll do it today's episode of Stealing Bananas, a fun one where we did a couple of drafts in the underdog rookies and sophomores format. Again, if you use the coupon code ROTOVIZ when you sign up, you'll get a deposit match. Then this is a, a great time of the year to get signed up for all of your favorite content. People should obviously be subscribing right now to Stealing Signals. As we head into the draft, you don't want to miss anything that Ben is doing. We'd love to have you over at Rotoviz. You get the 10% off with the coupon code RVRADIO2022. We're also doing something special for April where the one-month sub is $5 off for everybody. So if you're just wanting to dip your toe in the waters at a little bit less expensive level, you can do that. We appreciate the ratings and reviews you guys have been leaving us. We had some questions dropped in there as well that we will get on an upcoming episode of the pod. We really appreciate those. Subscribe to the feed. You'll get these shows when they drop. And good luck in your drafts. This next couple of weeks will be a fun time as you have that last chance to get discounts on all of your favorite rookies. Ben, you and I have been drafting a lot of rookies. But as we say, rookies are upside. There's no way you can have too many. We'll be looking at the end of the season, I'm sure, and saying, um, how was 40% of all the pre-draft rosters rookies? They did not have a great season. But... If that happens, it'll just make it even cheaper for us next year. We love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.